It's the third win against the top ten, and the orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! It's the orange doing it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644. We want to hear from you. We're going to talk mainly Cuse basketball today. The Orange uh, with a missed opportunity last night, to say the least, inside the Dome, falling to 10th-ranked North Carolina, 78-74. Our good friend Danny Shays will join us, as he always does, at 1 o'clock. And uh, no Jerry McNamara today. He was uh, tied up in a meeting. I, I did speak with Eric Devendorf this morning for the television version of Orange Nation. We'll get to that interview at some point. And again, your phone calls welcome at any time. And, and Seth, I tell you what, it, it, it's been a good week for the Orange. Could have been a great week. That win over Miami improves their NCAA tournament resume, but there is one thing that is is glaringly absent, and that is a victory over a nationally ranked opponent. And it was right there last night. And I'm not sure how in the world it was right there. North Carolina played pretty well, shot 45%, won the battle on the boards, took care of the basketball, had an answer every time SU made a run. I don't know how Syracuse I don't know how Syracuse was in position to win that game, but they were. And they shot themselves in the foot down the stretch, and it's unfortunate because it was right there. The place was jumping. The place was electric. And and they had number 10 on the ropes, and, and they let it slip away. Uh, first off, welcome back. Hope the vacation was, was nice. You it got was some much time needed. in the sun. Much needed. Had some time with the kids, and uh, yes, and it you was brought, and good you to brought, get away. And you brought the cold weather back because when you got back yesterday afternoon, it started to get cold. Well, when I landed, it was still nice, and then it, yeah. it quickly... Yeah. Got cold, yes. Yeah. Uh, Max, you missed this. Max wore shorts to work yesterday, and by the time we started the show at noon, he was like, that was mistake. Bad decision probably by the yeah. time he left. Yes. Yesterday. But uh, yes, thank you for your holding down the <laughs> fort for a few days. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to to your point, I'm not sure how Syracuse was in the game. Like, I, I'm really not. Uh, you know, the, the more I think about it, uh, UNC did everything they wanted to, right? They played solid defense. Uh, they were playing at their pace. They, you know, carved up the zone. I thought they, I thought they did a great job uh, against the zone, uh, specifically in the first half. And then they, they kept getting what they wanted in the second half. They had an answer every time, uh, every time Syracuse did anything and, and got closer. They had an answer for them. Um, I'm not sure how Syracuse remained in the game, and yet here we are talking about a game where if the biggest guy on the court doesn't get ripped by the smallest guy on the court. And if the biggest guy on the court then sets the right screen coming out of a timeout, uh, this is a totally different game, right? And, and not to put all the blame on Pascal, that's not what I'm doing at all, um, but it came down to like two plays at the end of the game where if Syracuse gets things to go a little bit differently, they win. And that's incredible. And, you know, on top of UNC doing everything they wanted, Syracuse had a nearly four-minute drought in the first half where they did not score a field goal. And they had a drought at the end of the game. After Ty's battle tied the game at th- with uh, three minutes and seven seconds to go, they didn't score. So that's seven minutes over the course of the game that Syracuse did not score a basket. And yet here we are talking about a four-point game that Syracuse had the ball down to with a chance to tie or take the lead. Like, I, I, I don't know how this happened. And as far as the tournament goes, that is what's missing. Get a consensus top 10, top 15, top 25 win. RPI, 
uh, BPI, Kempom, all of these rankings had UNC in the top 10, top 15. Go get that win. And, and Syracuse had the chance, and that's why it hurts because you were so close. It doesn't hurt you in reality because you lost to a really good team. It hurts because you were that close. So what you're saying is that there's a fine line between winning and losing, and we've seen yes. that all year long. Syracuse has lost 10 games. Six of those losses were essentially decided by a possession or two. I mean, you go down the list. St. Bonaventure, the one at Wake Forest, the one against Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina State, and now North Carolina. Yeah. It essentially, I mean, last night it was again, a, a four-point game. game. It was a one-possession game. A lot of those, I mean, even the Wake Forest game, for that matter, was really a one-possession game. Uh, Notre Dame, certainly a one-possession game. Same thing with St. Bonaventure. Think about if any of those games had gone differently. If you had any of those six losses back, if you're Syracuse, and, and say you lose four of those instead of six, it's if the you, scenario is different right now. Steve, if you win the right two of those six, if you win, you know, if it, it, throw the Bonaventure game out is what I'm saying. If you win two of the five in ACC play, you're in position for a double bye. Right. Like, that's what I keep I keep struggling to wrap my mind around. Like how packed this ACC is that if three plays over the course of the ACC season go differently, we're not looking at this team as a bubble team. We're looking at this team as a top five team in the conference and potentially ranked in the top 25 easily in the tournament. Like it's it's incredible when you look at it on that scale. Um, you know, that, that shows the line of winning and losing. Is it because they have a, a young team? That they're not winning and, and they're you know struggling in these close games? Maybe. Is it that they don't have the talent? I, I think that plays into it. I think last night we saw it perfectly. I mean, UNC was clearly the team with more talent and better players, right? No and, doubt. And at the end of the day, like, isn't that what it comes down to? Oh, you've got good guys on your team. Not to say Tyus Battle's not a guy. Not to say, you know, O'Shea Brissett's not a great player. Not to say Frank Howard's not a great college player. Uh, UNC had more really good college basketball players, and that got them the win. So much to get to from this game, but let's go to the phone lines, 315-437-7644. Steven Syracuse kicking us off today on Orange Nation. Hey, Steve. Hey, good to hear, guys. Hey, I agree with you, Seth, on everything. The last plays at the end of the game, they're important, but you got to take the whole body of work. And you know what the stat was that killed us last night? We had... Take the top three out. You got the players of Pascal, Moyer, uh, Marac, and Barama. They scored eight points. 13 fouls and eight points. How do you have 13 fouls with four guys and eight points? All those fouls create possessions for the other team, they create shots for the other team, and then eight points. You can't have supporting characters on your team. You know the big three are going to do things. You can't have supporting characters that have more fouls than points. 13,008 yeah. points. It's yeah. crazy. Steve, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and yesterday, Steve, when, when you were out, uh, that was what I was talking about for the majority of the show. I said, I think Syracuse can win this game and be in this game, but they're going to need something from the people outside of those three, right? Outside of Brissett, Howard, and Battle, they're going to need something. Um, and, and they didn't get nearly enough to win a game last night against a team of this caliber. They got 66 points out of those three. They got 66 points. Out of O'Shea, out of O'Shea Brissett, Frank Howard, and Tyus Battle, that's going to win you games against most teams. And like sixty-six alone, without any other contributions, I know would have blown out Notre Dame, would have beaten Saint Bonaventure, would have beaten Georgia Tech. I understand that, but you were playing UNC and you needed more. So if you could have gotten, uh, I, I know Jerry talks about the hey, get forty-five, fifty, and then get you know fifteen from the others. If you could have gotten twelve 
from the others, you win that game. If you if you could have gotten 15, you win that game. And I understand that you want more from those guys, but I disagree with the notion that they didn't do enough to win last night. They did do enough to win last night. And and you look at, at Pascal, for instance. Okay, he had 11 rebounds. He had four blocks. And while the press didn't create any steals, he made some defensive plays that allowed them to cut that eight to nine point deficit to like a possession. So he didn't really score, but I thought, you know, defensively he did enough. Marek made his two shots, had five rebounds. Again, do you want him to do a little bit more? Yeah, but Battle and Howard in particular were, were, were on last they night. Were and and, and, and Brissett, for that matter, had a double double. So your big three was on. Chuku did, you know, his thing with rebounding and blocking shots, and Marek, you know, took advantage of his, his two opportunities and scored. They did enough to win the game. What it boiled down to for me is it was just simple lack of execution in the final two minutes. If Chuku doesn't bring the ball down and get ripped away from Joel Berry, maybe they take the lead there. If he sets the proper screen on the last play coming out of the timeout, Battle probably gets to the basket and gets fouled or gets a better look than they got. Frank Howard ended up putting up a three. They miss. Carolina gets the rebound. The game's over. They did do enough to win the game. It's unfortunate. And again, I'm not, I, I hate crushing, you know, I was going to say an 18 to 21 year old kid. We know Chuku's like almost 23. I, I'm not going to, I'm not placing the blame no, on him for no. the loss, but those were two very crucial mistakes yeah, at the it, end of the game. And so to say that Syracuse didn't do enough to win the game, I thought they did. Like they, somehow they were in this game. It, it didn't feel like they should have been. Carolina played pretty well and had that. Double-digit deficit for much of the first half, and and just Syracuse kept chipping away, and then they were able to get it back into it on the press, and they and and they pulled even, and you felt like, all right, you know, go win the game. And the more experienced team with the better players made those plays down the stretch, and and Carolina won the game. Right? No, I, I agree with you, and and I I look, they did enough to win most games. You know, they they did enough to win most games. I they didn't do enough to win that game. You know, and, and I guess that's the distinction in my mind. Like, if you got that performance against in in, in any other game this season outside the two Virginia games, right? I, like, if it, if well, this, if this I, team played if this team played the game they played last night in every game this year except for Kansas and the two Virginia games and the game they played last night, how many of them do they win? Well, I tell you what, if those three guys score sixty six points against Virginia, you may beat Virginia. They might have won, right? But but you know like I I thought that they did enough to win most games just not that one given that uh, the talent level on the other side and you know at, at the end of the day it came down to you you didn't execute the other team did the other team had an answer for you every time you pushed right and and that goes into talent level and execution and right now UNC has a higher talent level had a better level of execution in that game last night and that got them the win. Um, one thing that I'm sure we'll hit on over these two hours, and I, I, I know the stat sheet looked good, and and Pascal had 11 rebounds, he had four blocks. I didn't think he played that great a game. I, I mean, I thought he struggled defensively in the zone. I think that the zone got carved apart, and that and that Pascal w- was struggling a little bit there. He got the ball ripped away from him a lot, three times, a and, lot. and that's where that, he's got to work on that. Because yes, that was a, a glaring issue with him last night. It's been an issue all season long. Is that he's just not strong with the basketball, and that's something that they're working on. It's something I talked to Eric Devendorf about earlier today. I mean, that is an issue. I thought again, he rebounded, he blocked shots, he kind of did. You know, there was like a 
a baseline effort out of Pascal Chuku. He made some costly mistakes at a bad time. He and, definitely and, and did. And those yeah. those obviously stick out at you. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Let's go back to the phone lines. Pat and Syracuse up next on Orange Station. Hey Pat. Well, what I got out of hey Steve, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. So um, first things first, I I want to get on two notions. One is that. This, this team is overachieving, and I, I don't know how they were in the game. You ask Roy Williams um, how Syracuse stacks up against the rest of the league, and I'm going to tell you right now, he's not going to have those sentiments at all. I, I, I think everybody thinks that, you know, because we saw this team at their worst, where, you know, we'd be lucky if one out of the big three was playing well, two out of the three weren't. I mean, this is a better team than that. We saw this team at their worst, and at their worst, everybody can agree with this. We were still in every single game this year outside of Kansas and Virginia. So I don't think that this team, I wasn't surprised that we were right there at the end. I know, Steve, that you were, and most of this town was. I don't think this team is overachieving. Let let me me just step one second. I I actually, we were talking about this in the office at Channel 9 before the game last night, and I actually said, I think Syracuse is going to win tonight. So I was, and and people were looking at me like I was crazy. I wasn't surprised it was close. I was surprised as the game developed, and I thought Carolina played pretty well. And and if you had told me before the game, Carolina's going to play pretty well, they're going to pick apart the zone the way they did, they're going to shoot 45%, they're going to get on the offensive glass, all the things that happen, you know, Theo Pinson's going to have a career night, I would have said they're losing by double digits. So I wasn't wasn't surprised with the matchup that it was close. I was kind of surprised as the game developed. I'm like, how is Syracuse hanging around? Because Carolina just, they just keep coming at you. But, you know, to SU's credit, to your point, they are overachieving. And last night, I mean, that was a gritty effort by them to stay in the game. Well, let, let, let me say two more things quickly. Um, I don't believe that they shredded the zone. I think if you look at second chance points, which is not against a set zone and transition points and 50 50, you know, that's the biggest thing about this team that I'm shocked at. Early in the year, we were blue-collar. We were getting every 50-50 ball. We were doing everything right in terms of that category. And now we can't win one of those games at the 50-50 ball. And that's why we lost the game. Everybody talks about the late execution, and that's all true. I thought it was a terrible set play by Bayheim. I don't know why we were running that pick-and-roll with Chuku. Well, they and weren't. Thought, that that wasn't mean? the play. That wasn't the design yeah, play. The design no, play. If you listen to the press conference, listen, he clearly said he wanted to run the pick and roll with Chuku, and Chuku picked the wrong side of the pick and roll. No, so I said no, he, no, Pat, 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 that's not what Pat, he said. That's not what he said. He said he wanted to have him screen for battle, the, the and play the screen didn't to, go to battle. The play was to screen down for about. battle. And, yeah. Okay, right, and he screened. No, 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 he screened we're for Howard. The same language. Okay, he screened for Howard, not battle. He screened for the wrong guy. That's what no, happened. No, no, what happened was. May, May split the screen early, so then Tuku first tried to run it on the other side of where they wanted to drive the ball. The, that's he, what happened. The point is this. Okay. They should not have run the pick and roll with Tuku because it hadn't worked all game, and we get nothing out of that. We're better off. If you go back and look at the second half real, real quick, I know you're up against the commercial. If you go back and watch, when, when Battle was going one-on-one like he did against Virginia last year and in the second half, that's the play we should have had, and it would have worked, and I don't know why he was calling for the pick and roll. It's a tough loss. It's going to be a tough run, but let's let's get at it, and uh, thanks for the time, guys. All right, appreciate checking in, Pat. Yeah, just to clear this up, and we will after the break. I'll play okay, the bite play, here. Okay, they, they were trying to set a screen for battle to get battle the ball. Right. Get Tyus coming off the screen, and Pascal really went into the wrong screen. He should have been screening for him. Bad mistake. Bad mistake. 
Yeah, he was supposed to set a screen for one guy. He set a screen for the other guy. It blew up the whole play. And you know what? I, I will agree with this this point that Pat made. Um, what have we seen over the last three weeks that's been really effective? Last two, three weeks that's been really effective for this team? We've seen Taking Brissett, the ball to the basket? Well, we've, we've seen Brissett and Dolezal setting screens more. Yeah. Right? And, and they've been the pick guy in the pick and roll. And so I don't understand why last night, I, I think for the majority of the game, but especially late, and like why, why switch the screener? You know, like, they they had done one thing that was really effective. And I know on the last play that wasn't the, the design. Like, the idea wasn't let's run a pick and roll with Frank Howard and Pascal Chukwu. That's just kind of what ended up happening. But what was really effective for the last couple of weeks was Dolajai and Brissett screening so that they can go to the basket or they can pop out and maybe shoot. Um, that was curious to me as well. Tyus has got a touchdown in the last possession. I agree. And I know that I that was the plan. Um, it's it's unfortunate that something got lost in translation. They used their last timeout to set up that play, and then they ended up uh, yeah, running I mean, the wrong play. We, we asked uh, Tyus in the, in the locker room, and he, he he was asked something along the lines of, uh, what was the play supposed to be? And he said, pin down screen for me. I was supposed to get the ball. I was supposed to get the shot. And uh, then the follow-up was along the lines of, was it something they did? That made you change that? And he goes, no, we just ran the wrong play. So it, it was a miscommunication for whatever reason, and, and I, I don't know how that happens with 30 seconds left in the game. I don't love the in shot anyway. Um, right, I don't either. The you know, And, and my former partner here, Sal, he, he knows uh, how I am, and I, I just I, I hate the settling for three in those positions. And they were calling a lot. And, and they were getting to the basket, and Tyus in particular was able to beat whoever was on him. He was able to get to the basket. And again, I don't know if he would have finished, but they he either gets to the line or he gets a better look they were than getting, they got. They were calling a lot of fouls, yeah. too, which I, I think so emphasizes it, It's it. unfortunate, and Frank, you know, he was hitting the outside shots, and if that goes in, everybody's saying, you know, the, the guts what a brilliant of him to, play! Yeah. yeah, so I get it. I get it. If it goes in, everybody's happy, and and it doesn't go in. And and but you you point to that play. You you would love to get something going to the basket, and it, and it just didn't happen. We are up against the timeout. Phone lines remain open. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We're just getting started on Orange Nation. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. It's very disappointing to have the ball, 70-point game, and give them the ball. That's just not a good play, and it's very disappointing. These guys played their hearts out, as they have all year long, and again, North Carolina's a tremendous team. That was Jim Beham after last night's 78-74 loss inside the Carrier Dome to North Carolina. Yeah, tie game, just over 90 seconds to play. Tyus Battle didn't make a three all night long. Misses a three. Pascal Chuku grabs the rebound. You think it's going to be a, you know, a fresh shot clock and a, another crack at it for the Orange. And then Joel Berry rips the ball from him, takes it the distance, lays it up and in. Carolina uh, takes the lead at 76-74. And then, again, SU had its chances in the final minute. And uh, Frank Howard unable to hit the three on, a again, a play that Pascal Chuku just screened for the wrong guy. Should have screened for yeah. Tyus. Instead, he, he screens for Frank. Tyus was stuck in the corner. Frank decided he was going to hoist up a three. They miss. Carolina gets the rebound. And, and that's your ball game. And it's... It's just it's unfortunate because you you had that opportunity to to be the nationally ranked opponent, add that to your resume, and it's it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, and look, it's a missed chance, it's a missed opportunity, and I think that's what hurts the most about it is that uh, you know it's not going to hurt you on the resume, right? You lost to a top ten team. Um, what hurts is how close you were, right? You were so close to getting that win, um, and you couldn't finish the deal, and and you know. 
Uh, we talk a lot about the. Well, we will talk a lot. We'll continue to talk a lot. I'm sure today everybody will uh, up until six o'clock about Pascal and and getting the ball ripped and, and setting the wrong screen. Um, you know, and and things like that, and and Ty is not hitting a three all night. I'm sure that we will focus a lot on that kind of stuff. Um, but I mentioned this in the first part of the show, and I think it's really important to remember three minute scoring drought in the game. I, I mean, Syracuse scored. Ty's battle hit the shot, tied the game. The place was going bonkers. I, I mean, it was uh, it was on a frenzied level that I think was pretty close to when John Gillen hit the buzzer beater last year against Duke. It was on that kind of a frenzied level to me at at court level. Um, and then Syracuse didn't score after that. Syracuse did not capitalize on that momentum. They had an 8-0 run to tie that game at the three-minute mark, and they could not capitalize and push it any further. And I, and I think that's a really... Uh, a really important thing to look at when you look at that game. Yeah, and Joel Berry scores the last four points of the game, and it yep. it helps to have veteran leaders on and your team. It helps to have the tournament most outstanding player. Yeah. Uh, from, you know, Carolina's from a got ago. a lot of talent. They've got experience. They've got a lot of answers for you. Dan Dockage kept saying it last night on the broadcast that you know this is a Final Four caliber team, and Syracuse had a Final Four caliber team on the ropes. You can't make big mistakes like that down the stretch when it's you know a tie game in the closing minutes. And Syracuse made a couple of of, of glaring mistakes, and and Carolina's too good you know not to capitalize on those mistakes. Phone lines are jammed, so let's get back to them. Dave and Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Good. How are you? Just got a, just got a couple of observations and a comment. Last night, I I know Chuku had a bad game last night. He what I don't understand is how. If you're seven foot two, why every single time he grabs a rebound, he has to bring it down below his shoulders? It happens at least two or three times a game. And then again, on the on the scramble with Barry on the floor, he had the ball and had it stripped out of his hand. Now, the good thing about Chuka was on the back end of the zone, or excuse me, the press last night, he was fantastic with the block shots and all that. That being said, he wasn't the only reason that they lost the game. What what I really wanted to call for is. It, the people in Syracuse need to stop bashing Jim Beheim. This team has freshmen playing. They are they have seven people playing. They have injuries left and right, and they're still in tournament talk. Uh, yeah, people, I listen to them on the phone. They call and they bash Beheim day after day after day. You name me one coach who would have this team at eighteen and ten. Name, name two coaches in the in the country that would have this team at eighteen and ten. Eighteen and ten. With the, with the personnel that they have and the injuries that they have had. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we been saying it for, what, it feels like a couple of months, Seth, that if yeah. this team makes it to the NCAA tournament, it very much feels like a success. That, oh, it, you know, it normally, the, normally the bar is set at, you know, go to the Sweet 16 or, you know, this year just feels like, man, if this team makes it to the tournament, that is, yeah, it feels like an overachievement. They were picked to finish 10th in the ACC coming well, into the season. Well, they might finish 10th anyway. No, I know. Uh, but, yeah, but for no. this team to get to the tournament, know, if, I, if it I does know. get to the tournament, yes, that would feel like they reached their potential. And oh, I agree with you. I think they, I think they are playing over their heads. And and this is actually a topic I wanted to bring up. I, I meant to bring it up yesterday, and I, I just didn't get time for it. Uh, but I saw a couple people tweeting. One, one a Raleigh radio host, and and also our friend uh, Anish Sharaf, tweeting about ACC Coach of the Year. And you know some some of the preliminary lists. You know, easy candidates, right? Tony Bennett, his team was unranked. Now they're one. They're probably the best team in the country. Uh, Kevin Keats, that team was supposed to be terrible. They're they're probably they're in all likelihood going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, uh, who's uh, Brad Brownell at Clemson doing a great job? Um, 
And, and I think, and I, I saw the host in Raleigh also put Roy Williams. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, sure, whatever. Um, I think any conversation about ACC Coach of the Year has to at least include Jim Beheim. Is he going to win that? Probably not. No, right? Like, he's not. Like Tony Bennett's probably going to win he's it. He's not. Or it's probably going to go to somebody in Carolina because it's the ACC and that's Carolina media. As we heard Joe Giglio talking about Tyus Battle yesterday. Um, like, that's that's what happens. Um, but Jim Beheim has to be in the conversation. Like, this team is playing above its expectations. This team is playing better than we could have thought and is in position to go make an NCAA tournament that I mean, what was the, what was the quote that you read to Jerry on the GMAC show the first uh, early in the year? Right, you said um, you said something along the lines of this team is picked to finish tenth in the ACC, eighty something in the in the country, and be fighting for an NIT bid. Like they aren't fighting for an NIT bid. You know, like it's what this team is compared to the expectations is incredible. Yeah, if this was the Big East, uh, I would say yes. Jim Beheim would, would get strong consideration. He is—he's not going to win that award uh, in the ACC. And but he's got to be in the—he'll co- be in the conversation. I understand I your point, and I don't disagree with your point. I'm just saying that he's not winning. Let's no. keep in mind who votes for this award. He's not winning this award. I agree this year. with you, and and I don't know if you heard the clip I was referencing from yesterday's show. We had Joe Giglio, the UNC beat writer, on, and he tweeted out something a couple days ago saying. Something along the lines of Tyus Battle is an all for an all ACC first teamer for me. Like if I had a vote, and he got replies that were like, "Why? What? Right. It's an uphill battle for and Syracuse so I, guys." And so for, I asked yeah. him. I said, "What's the view of Tyus Battle in there?" He goes, "Well, there probably isn't one. Like they they just don't care. You know, it's it's Carolina, right? It is. <laughs> I mean, it's a Southern dominated league. There's there's no doubt about it. I understand your point, but Jim Beheim's not going to win no, uh, coach no. there uh, in the conference. Let's uh, get another phone call in. Scooter in Jamesville up next. Hey, Scooter. Hey guys, um, I've talked about this, you know, not just this year, but years past. It's the start of the game, okay? Uh, it'd be interesting, like I said, interesting to see after the first TV timeout how many points Syracuse normally scores or if they're leading. Now, Seth, I'll take it a step farther than what you said. They scored seven points in 10 minutes, okay? They didn't score in the last three yeah. minutes of the game. That's 13 minutes, seven points. They scored 74 points. That means in 27 minutes, they scored 67 points. And it's that once again the start that puts them in that hole again, and you know we have to we have to climb out of it. And it's just it's, it's amazing. It's just not one game. I mean, you go back to even the Miami game. You go back to other games. It's just it's that, it's that start that's killing us. And once you know, once we decide to go up tempo, and I mean you know early in the shot clock, it doesn't have to be fast breaks. Early in the shot clock, we're attacking the basket, and obviously we put the press on. We're down, and once again the press actually sped up Carolina to the point where they start making mental mistakes that pulling the ball out and working the clock, they decided, you know, maybe it's time for ESPN top five and start driving and, you know, we actually gave Syracuse four or five chances where I just thought, I was kind of shocked to see they just kept packing the basket up eight and to me gave Syracuse a chance. But the bottom line is our slow starts are killing us. Yeah, anytime you lose a close game, there are a lot of reasons for it, right? I mean, you can talk about the slow start. You can talk about the second chance points. Um you know, you can talk about the offensive rebounds that that you know Syracuse gave up. It it was a tie game with with three minutes to go, and, right? And I and I I'm not saying Scooter's wrong. I'm just saying it was it was a tie game with three minutes to go. The the game was there for the taking against North Carolina in your building, and and they just didn't get the job done. So yes, anytime it's a close game and a close loss, you look back. You know, like the Notre Dame game, you say, well. It shouldn't have been that close, right? They, they they lost the game at the end, but they should have been up by more than nine at halftime. It should have been 15. 
and then maybe it doesn't come down to the last possession of the game. In a close game, you can look back on a lot of things, and and Scooter's not wrong. I'm just saying that's, to me anyway, not what decided the game. Yeah, uh, to Scooter's point, I mentioned uh, I mentioned a four-minute stretch in the second half where they didn't score in addition to the last three-plus of the game. Uh, Frank Howard hit a jumper with 13-12 to go in the second half. Frank Howard hit a three with 9-16 to go in the second half. Between those two jumpers, there was one free throw made for Syracuse. So if you want to talk about the seven points in the first ten minutes of the game, one point in four minutes, and none in the final three, over 17 minutes they scored eight points. That's this team, though. No, like, I, that, no that's I what know, they do. Just pointing that out. Yeah. I mean, that, that, and, and then and they were still in the game. And, and that was my point all along, right? Because this has come up time and time again, and my answer to it is, I don't know if it's slow starts or it's just this they're team. inconsistent. And, and so they go through these stretches where they don't score, and they yeah. find a way. I mean, they found a way last night to overcome all that yeah, and, I think and to be right there. I think it's more this is what this team is, right? They'll struggle offensively at times. They'll play great offensively at times. Um, at the end of the day, the scoreboard might look okay. It might not, right? And uh, I, you mentioned the Notre Dame game, and I'm glad you brought that up. I felt like it was the Notre Dame game in reverse at the beginning, where like UNC should have been up by a lot more than they were, right? Like you yes. look up at the clock at the 10 minute mark, and you're like, how is this a five point game? I mean, even like UNC halftime. is shooting 50 percent, and Syracuse is shooting you know 30, and yeah. they look bad. Like, how is this a five point game? And and I I I think I even tweeted it at that point. Like, it felt like it it should have been. Like it was like the the so many games that Syracuse has had, whether it was Notre Dame or 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 Pitt or uh you know the 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 Georgia Tech game, they should have been up more. Yes, it was weird. Yeah, it was a nine. It, it was the same exact scenario, right? Syracuse yeah. was up nine at the half against Notre Dame, and and North Carolina was up nine last night. And you're thinking to yourself, how in the world is Syracuse down only nine? Um, but that was the case, and they were able to fight back. And the, the difference between that and the Notre Dame game, uh, both teams actually scored, and that that was not the case uh, in the Notre Dame game. The two teams combining for what uh, ninety points or whatever it was, hundred points, I guess. Fifty one. Was it fifty one forty nine? Hundred points. See, not not great at math. <laughs> Uh, let's take a quick timeout. We are desperately up against the clock. If you're on hold, stay on hold. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Again, Frank and, and uh, Taz played great. O'Shea played great. We made a couple mistakes. We only had 10 turnovers. You're not going to beat a team like Carolina unless you play really good and you can't make a mistake at the end of the game. And we made a terrible Two terrible mistakes at the end of the game. Can't do that. Yeah, the starting backcourt combined for 49 points, 9 assists. Pretty good game out of Ty's battle and, uh, and Frank right. Howard. That's not bad. I've seen better. All right, we've got Danny Shays at the top of the hour, but until then, let's keep those phone calls coming. Uh, back to the phone lines. We go Joe and Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. I, I don't know if I can remember. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm just forgetting uh, the recent memory, but I mean, do you guys remember a team that is so awful in the front court and so loaded in the back court? I mean, really, when's the last time you had a team like this? I mean, it's it's always it always comes down to you know the development of our big guys, and they're just not developing. You know, Moyer is they they, they all do one thing good, and then the, the rest is awful, and they don't complement each other. I mean. Matthew Moyer is sloppy. He's slow. Chuku has awful hands, you know, bad core vision. Dolajai is a good role player, but he's always getting beat on the defensive end. I mean, and Sidibe, I don't know what's going on with him, if it's an injury or if he's just in Bayheim's doghouse, but 
the guy doesn't play, he has that one great game, and now we haven't heard anything from him. So, Yeah. Um, I don't know if you'll agree with this one, Steve. Uh, was the 2013 team a little bit? A little bit. And I know that they had more front court stuff going on there, but sophomore year rock wasn't great and fully developed to the point where he was his senior year. Freshman year, Roberson wasn't anything to write home about. Uh, that team was dominated by Carter Williams and and uh, and and Trish and and Sutherland. Sutherland was the front court player, but he played like a wing. Yeah, but again, I, you know, in recent memory, like you've like CJ Fair was on that team. CJ Fair was so yeah, but he wasn't know, CJ Fair no, of the next year. I, I know, but you know, when when Joe says like the the front, like he says big guys, but I think he's talking about the whole front court. He's talking about centers and right. forwards, like. Syracuse hasn't had that many dominant centers. Like Raheem Christmas, his his last year was was, was really really good. Really good. Yeah. Fab Mello, his sophomore year was obviously really really good. Like they've had some good big guys, but by and large they don't have dominant big men in this program. But they usually have really good forwards. Now the difference this year is, and I think we would all agree, the sanctions have have hurt recruiting in recent years. They've obviously had a lot of injuries. They had unexpected departures. And they I should mean, have Torian right. Thompson. Right. I was <laughs> just going to say, Torian Thompson should be on this team. He's not. Geno Thorpe leaves. Not that he's a frontcourt player. But, you know, you you lost guys along the way. You were thin with numbers anyway, thin with experience anyway. And when Torian Thompson left, you felt like, all right, this this year might be a struggle, right? I mean, you're, you're so young. You're so inexperienced. So I understand what Joe's saying, that, you know, you don't have – any you know dominant front court players or do you like O'Shea Brissett is really one good. heck of a yeah. player and you know, he's really a four by the way like a stretch four right I mean I think he could play either he play the three, either, but... either forward spot and he he's shown that he could do that he could step out he can hit the three he could get to the basket I mean he's got what ten double doubles whatever whatever he's now um, third most you know by a by a Syracuse freshman in history so yeah. Um, yeah, I understand they don't have the dominant big guy, but part of it is they're just they're thin in numbers and they're thin with experience and and you you just you kind of knew going into the season that you were going to be limited with what you could do. And Dolajai is a nice role player, and I think that Matthew Moyer can develop into a nice role player. And Chuku, he's got to get stronger with the basketball, but you know he does some really good things on the especially on the defensive sure. end, and and at times he's a liability on offense. And Barama's still injured. A um, lot of reasons yeah, for it. I, I think the Barama thing is an injury. I don't think it's the doghouse. No, I think it's. I, I think, think it's it really is injury. the injury. Yeah. Uh, all right, back to the phone lines. Marty uh, down in Tampa, Florida, has been waiting patiently. Hey, Marty. Hey, how's it going? Hey, you know, everybody's uh, talking that we blew this game. No, that's not really true. We had a chance to steal the game. We were behind. We, we had the lead for 16 seconds. The entire game, everyone's concentrating on Chuku's mistakes down at the end. Yeah, he made some mistakes, but he also made some big blocks and uh, some big defensive rebounds that he held on to to help us get back. Um, nobody should think that we blew this game. Um, we almost stole the game. And that's what it would have been. But it's not like they had the game lock, stock, and barrel and had a had a collapse at the end. They they were trailing the entire game and almost pulled it out in the end. Yeah, it, I mean, and that's that's a good point, Marty. I would say this: it it feels a lot like the Notre Dame game, and Syracuse yes. lost both of them. Right? Yes. Syracuse was in control of the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame came back and stole it. 
you know, North Carolina, no doubt, was in control of that game last night. Syracuse got back into position to win, but Syracuse lost both of them, and and that's kind of the issue right now. Is that if you don't lose both of them, you're you know you're eight and seven. Your your resume looks different than than it does now. You'd much prefer the North Carolina win over the you know Notre Dame win for obvious right. reasons, but you lost both of them, and so yes, and I don't think we're suggesting Syracuse blew the game. It's just it was right there for the taking. You you had the ball. In in two spots to take the lead, and one of them, Pascal Chuku gets the ball, you know, stolen from the other one, you know, sets the screen on the wrong guy, and you know that was your ball game. And and again, not putting the loss on him, but you can't make those mistakes against that good of a team. No, if you make those mistakes against a team that's as talented as Carolina and a team that was executing as well as that Carolina team was, you're not winning. And and we saw that last night. All right, one more in this segment. Uh, Stephen North Syracuse up next. Hey, Steve. Hi. Um... You, you had a caller earlier who pointed out that uh, our big three of uh, Howard, Battle, and Brissett committed only three fouls. They played 120 minutes, and the other guys played 80 minutes and committed 13 fouls. People look at fouls as uh, are the referees biased, are the referees blowing the whistle too much. Uh, a very big part of fouls is how efficiently your team is playing. And uh, it, it, there's just a tremendous drop off in efficiency when you get away from the from from the big three. If you look at Brissett's line, he had no fouls, no turnovers, six of six from the free throw line. His only uh, negatives were that he missed seven out of eleven uh, field goal shots. But that's a, that's a marvelously efficient game overall I, I i didn't even mind the shot he took at the end because because he's been making that shot he had three three-pointers in, in in this game and i was shocked that it, that it turned out to be an air ball uh if, if he'd made that the whole place really would have exploded and i think we might have gone on to to win the game so uh, the fouls are a measure of efficiency and we got to get everybody playing as efficient as, as that one more comment on, on chukwu and the and the press uh, I remember in our national championship year, we had Jeremy McNeil, who in a, in a half-court defense uh, always seemed to be in the wrong place, uh, committing fouls, uh, uh, getting off his feet when he didn't need to, giving up layups. But you put him in the press, and suddenly he's got no choice but to position himself under the basket and wait for the offensive players to come to him and he would just hold his ground, and he was absolutely fabulous at the back of our press that year. That's what Chukwu did last night when we were coming back. That's where the effectiveness of the press was, not in steals or forced turnovers, but he just crushed any attempt to get to the basket. And hopefully next year when we have more depth, we'll be able to take better advantage of that, although I know Bayheim is always reluctant to press, even though he played on the team that pressed for, for 40 minutes. But we, we will have the guy that could make the press very effective on the back end next year with Chukul. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, he he wasn't all that effective in the half court. Uh, I think he was the only effective part of the press. I, I didn't think the press was very good. Uh, you know, it, it, it forced some layups, and, you know, some of them got blocked. Some of them just got missed. Uh, you know, that that's kind of what happened in the press last night. Um, yeah, it's it's just one of those games where I, I didn't, on the referee point, I, I hate talking about the officials, but to make one point, in the moment, I thought that, you know, maybe they were calling some ticky-tack stuff and, and whatnot. I'm looking back, 30 total fouls in the game. 
I, I mean, it, it's not like it was a game that was terribly over-officiated, right? No, there were some bad calls, there some but, bad, but there were some, some bad, bad calls, calls in any game. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, there were some bad calls. I think the foul that they that they called on Tyus Battle when he got called, you know, when he get, went to the line, was called ter- way too late, right? And, and like, there was one where was Luke on, May got a favorable call where exactly. he, he just kind of tripped on his way to the basket, yep. threw it up, and, yep. and they, they so there were blew a couple, the whistle. There were a couple bad calls. Um, I didn't think the officiating was anything all right, we got to take a time out. We got Danny Shays at the top of the hour. If you're on hold, stay on hold. More of your phone calls next. Keep it here. You're listening to ESPN Radio.